Good morning. I'm Pam Carlisle, and I've been a member here since 2005, the year I moved to Shreveport. I've sung in the choir, taught religious education, and am a member of the worship committee, through which I've been trained as a worship associate. Yesterday, my husband told two folks who were in their mid-80s with whom we were having lunch that I was doing the sermon today to fill in for our preacher. When he told them that I was filling in for her, I got lots of approval for that. Then he told them that the topic was aging, and we got polite silence. (laughs) And it's true. What would I know? I'm only in my 40s, and with an infant in my 40s, while I'm in my 40s, with the exception of my back, I feel like I'm in my 20s, or maybe my 30s. And I wish I knew the answers to the serious elder care issues and end-of-life issues with which our society desperately needs to face. After watching my grandparents in their later years, one set of grandparents lived into their late 80s, the others well into their 90s, I gained a greater understanding of how things just aren't right for the elderly yet in our world. My grandmother, who was always so emotionally and physically tough, said to me in all serious, Pam, don't grow old. But with a couple of generations who have lived well into their 90s, this might be a case where I have to disregard my grandmother's advice. And when I was in college, maybe partly for those reasons, although I'm really not sure, I don't think most 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds think about this, but I was in the sociology program, and there was one of the professors who was considered a national expert on the sociology of aging. And I decided I wanted to study with her, and that was going to be my mission in life to make aging not so hard for the elders in our society. But that professor herself aging retired, and I went on to other interests in history. But in some ways, those interests have led me back to this topic. And so there are some things that I think I have learned, maybe not so much about a personal experience of aging, but how our different ways that our culture disregards our elders and ways that maybe we could start to turn that around. Following college, I was a VISTA volunteer in Alaska. We had a training for the whole region in Seattle before we were sent up to Alaska. With the usual group bonding exercises, how to do all the paperwork correctly, maybe some things about leadership that the instructors from VISTA taught us. 
but they had also invited to the training uh, some of the people at the agencies for which the vistas would be placed. And there was an Alutic woman from Kodiak Island who took those of us vistas who were going to be sent up to Alaska aside and said, here's what y'all really need to know. Actually, she didn't use the word y'all, but... And one of the main things she taught us was, yes, in Alaska there are several layers of bureaucracy and government, even more than here. And partly that is because, with one exception at the very, very southern tip of Alaska, there are no native Indian reserv- there are no Indian reservations there. Rather, land for the Native Americans is held in native corporations. So there are the, the local corporations, the regional corporations. There are the village councils in the, some of the native communities. Of course, there is state government. Many layers of leadership. But she said, if you want to get anything accomplished in these communities you are going to, those aren't the leaders you need to consult. Really, the backing that you need and the people you need to consult with are the elders of the community. And so I went to Alaska. And thank goodness I got some of her advice because I can tell you my first time in a small village, population about 400 in the middle of Alaska's interior. You could only get there by plane or maybe uh, by four-wheeler on the, on the ice when the river was frozen over. Possibly a long, long boat ride in the summer on the river. Anyway, I arrived in a little Alaska bush plane. The issue was about fishing and closures fishery closures by the state. Of course, the first thing I saw were people picketing, including children, with signs saying, without this fishery, our sled dogs will have nothing to eat. Well, the head of the uh, VISTA program, whose office was in Seattle, not sure he really spent a lot of time in Alaska, when one of the uh, vistas going to Alaska who was raised in a native village said, well, what about the cultural information that we all need to know, especially those of us not from Alaska? And he said, oh, people are people. You don't need to know anything like that. Well, people may be people, but I was in a completely different world. And thankfully, I had been pulled aside and told how important the elders were. I was given the instruction to film this meeting, and thank goodness I knew the elders were sitting up front, and even though I really wanted to get right up front to get good images, I just knew, do not get in the way of the elders. But unfortunately, this respect for elders, I came to realize or had already started to realize, doesn't really exist in our culture at large. It does in some other cultures. Ram Dass, in his book about aging that he wrote while he himself was 
coping with issues of aging and recovering from a stroke. Talked about when he took a trip to India, went to see an old friend and was greeted with, wow, you look so much older. And Ram Dass started to think of what reasons to protest. Well, yes, maybe my hair is gray, but what does he mean I look older? And felt defensive, maybe even a little angry, until he realized he was being paid a big compliment. You look older means you've made it, my friend. You've come this far. You've lived these many years. But here, aging is sometimes, or the elderly, is considered the last taboo. It's now finally not so cool to make a racist joke or a sexist joke. But jokes about old folks still abound. I once saw a commercial that infuriated me. It was for Capri Sun, and it was about how their new packaging was so big that it would take you such a long time to finish it. So it showed a young girl about 19 years old going to pick up her grandmother. And it showed grandmother very, very, very slowly making her way from the front door out to the driveway to the car. And it showed the young young woman leaning against the car, smirking and sipping on her Capri Sun this whole time. And I wanted to scream, no, go up there and take her arm, help her to the car, listen to her stories. But instead, what was cool was to just roll your eyes, lean against the car, laugh about poor grandma's infirmities, and... Thank goodness your Capri Sun was going to last as long as it took her to get to the car. And, of course, what I learned in Alaska was about you don't disrespect the elders. When I was told it's their consent you need, it's their input you need, it's, it was respect about their knowledge. Ramdas also wrote about how now in our information age, Information is valued more than the kind of knowledge gained over experience. And in a book called Old Friends, an author who spent a year in a nursing home as a participant observer to see what lives of of folks in the nursing home are like, what it's like to be put in a room with a roommate for whom you may have very little in common, but with whom you will now spend pretty much every hour of your day side by side. We think about it for college students very much, fill out questionnaires about who will be compatible, who will get along. But you don't always really think about the emotional life or the social life of those in nursing homes. But anyway, in this book, author Tracy Kidder makes the point He says that typically it is thought that the old resemble children, but in his opinion, that is only true in one sense, how their knowledge or wisdom is viewed. He said that generally one would take the advice, would would just as soon take advice from a six-year-old as a 92-year-old. That book was written 20 years ago. Actually, I now think one would, from what I see, 
One might sooner take direction from a six-year-old than a 92-year-old. Of course, it wasn't always this way. The Judeo-Christian heritage has uh, strong traditions of saying, respect your elder, your elders. Proverbs says, a hoary or a gray head is a crown of glory. Hebrew and Christian testaments both say, rebuke different verses along the lines of rebuke not, rebuke not an elder, but treat them as a father, the elder women as mothers. NPR recently had a piece about what should we even call the aging here because they all, all the terms really have negative connotations. The survey's results were basically seniors was the most voted on, voted for term, but it still but in terms of the satisfaction with the term, it still wasn't very high. Basically, it was not the most well-liked term. It was the least disliked term. But from what I learned in Alaska, I used the word elder, even though in this story they said even that had a connotation that people thought were, was negative, that I will use it as a sign of respect. But I did have to grapple with, well, what term do I use? So as I had mentioned Gratefully, in my work in historical and cultural resources, I've had the opportunities to learn from elders, although I didn't always realize that those opportunities were in front of me. We, the staff at the public library where I work, and in particular the historical center part of that library where I work, we often talk about patrons and they do happen to all be older or definitely retired patrons who will come and sit and talk for hours. And I've often thought, do they not think I've got work to do? Maybe they think librarians have nothing to do but read books. But we've talked about they're lonely. And another thing that we've complained about even more is that often these retired folks will have advice on what we need to do, on how to do our jobs. <laughs> but then I've thought about, really, once someone retires, who comes to you for advice? I know when I first started my job, I had a different background than many of the others who worked there, and so people were often coming to me for advice. Or how should we do this? Or how should we do that? And sometimes, again, I thought, don't they know I have work to do? But then I thought, what would it be like when the day comes that no one wants my opinion or values my input? I think it would be very hard. And so I've realized I need to maybe have some more patience and maybe even listen more when the folks come in who have some ideas on how we should be doing things. And as cliche as it is, history does repeat itself, so why not listen to those who have lived it? I've had the chance to do oral history interviews in my job, 
And I have had people tell me, finally, someone wants to listen to these stories, to what I've lived through. I will say often this comes from older African Americans who I listen to. And this is a case where I do think we really can learn before history repeats itself again. I was reading recently about uh, one particular current issue, and I thought about how I learned about, in Bossier Parish, desegregation and the desegregation battles that the federal government was going to withhold federal education money, which it was giving to Bossier schools because it was educating base children from Barksdale. And the school board, even though it really needed this money, decided it would rather turn down this federal money than desegregate. Well, I was reading about another issue recently where federal money was being refused, and I just thought history really does repeat itself. And so doing the oral history interviews has been one of the most rewarding parts of my job. So let us continue to live by the ancient problem Proverb, don't judge a life, good or bad, before it ends. There is a quote attributed to world-renowned cellist Pablo Casals that when he was asked why he continued to practice at age 90, he said, well, because I think I'm making progress. (laughs) So... Everyone is continuing to make progress. No one's life has nothing that can, that, uh, from which you cannot learn. And what I also have learned is whenever I've put off an oral history interview, that sometimes a week later it's too late. Thank you.